With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Hey, everybody knows Weber Grills. I've been using Weber Grills my whole life, and check it out. They got a pellet grill, the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Now, with a pellet grill, you can smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. You can go from low and slow, okay, on smoke boost mode, or crank this thing all the way to a heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full great sear zone, so you can put more food on the flame. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood pellet grill. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Volume. Boxing with Chris Mannix is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there is a contest for every fan. FanDuel. More ways to win. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back to another episode of Boxing with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network. We got a great show lined up for you today. Kevin Ioli, senior combat sports writer over at Yahoo Sports covering boxing and MMA. He joins me to run through all the news of the past week. We talk Canelo, we talk Golovkin, we talk Munguia against Rosado. A lot to get into with Kevin Ioli. A little bit later on, David Benavidez, former 168-pound title holder and a potential opponent for Canelo Alvarez in 2022. He has got a fight of his own this weekend. I talked to Benavidez about that fight and what he needs to do to secure that fight with Canelo. As always, best way to support this podcast, get over to Apple Podcasts, post a comment, leave a rating. It's simple, it's easy, it's free. It's the best way to make sure that we keep doing this podcast week after week. That's it. All right, on to the show. All right, Kevin Ioli is here, senior combat sports writer over at Yahoo Sports covering boxing and mixed martial arts. What's happening, Kevin? Good to talk to you again. Been a busy couple of weeks, Chris. Uh, a lot of good fights, a lot of good fights coming up. So really excited, really been busy, enjoying everything. Yeah, it's it's a great stretch. I mean, obviously you covered both MMA and boxing, but it's been the start of a really good stretch in boxing that yep. began last weekend with Canelo. It continues this coming weekend with Munguia Rosado, David Benavidez back in action all throughout the month, next month, month and a half. So we, we're finally getting some some pretty good fights in boxing. So before we look ahead... I want to look back for a minute at this past weekend, Canelo and Caleb Plant. Uh, you know, Sergio Mora and I talked about this on a previous podcast, but I wanted to get your thoughts on Canelo's performance, Plant's performance, how the fight played out. What did you think? Well, you know, I thought that Canelo uh, did what Canelo does. You know, he came out, he was going after the body 
brutally early in the fight. Um, and he basically, you know, he's a patient fighter, Chris, you know, he's not a guy like Mike Tyson that's looking to get you out of there and in a round or two, you know, he's willing to invest time, uh, to break you down so that, you know, once he does that, then there's no getting up. And I thought he did that very brutally, very efficiently, um, you know, and I just didn't think Caleb threw enough. You know, it was odd to me that Caleb would come out and he would throw a lot of the punches, uh, you know, kind of, you know, in the first uh, 30 seconds of the round. And then the rest of the round, you know, he sort of uh, didn't throw a ton of punches, um, you know, had a good jab. I, I think the elements were there for Caleb to do even better than he did. And I, I think he did well, you know, I'm not criticizing him, but when we're looking at beating Canelo Alvarez, you have to be better than just okay or good. You have to be great. And he wasn't great by any stretch on that night. Um, you know, but he, in Canelo Alvarez, I think we have to start talking about him in all time terms. You know, he's one of the guys that, um, you know, when we talk, look at him, you know, he's obviously uh, going to be a member of the International Boxing Hall of Fame when he's through. And we're going to be looking at a guy kind of like Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather, uh, Andre Ward is one of the best to ever do it, one of the best coming out of this era. Yeah, I agree. Um, he's now entered that stratosphere, and if he goes up to light heavyweight and accomplishes what he did at super middleweight, it's just going to be another milestone of type of achievement uh, for him. Uh, I was impressed, of course, with Canelo. I couldn't agree more with you on Caleb Plant and really any any Canelo opponent. And we ha We've seen this really in virtually every opponent since Gennady Golovkin, where guys just don't throw and at least they're not throwing right hands. And I don't believe you can beat Canelo Alvarez, Kevin, unless you're willing to open up and throw right hands. Plant was using the jab. His defense was pretty good, at least in the first half of the fight, but he wasn't willing to throw. And if you're not going to engage with Canelo, you're just not going to win. You're not going to win enough rounds on the judge's scorecard. You're certainly not going to hurt him. You're not going to create a difference making type of opportunity. And, and that's sort of what I saw with Caleb Plant, I did think it. You saw that video, of course, of yeah, the talk. I don't know how you, I don't know how you describe it. Like Plant, kind of fishing for compliments, like when in the middle of the ninth round of that fight. What was your What was your reaction to that? I almost thought that was kind of like a concession on Plant's part. You know what? Hey, uh, you know, I'm done, but I, I I did good. I did as good as I could have thought. I I survived into the latter half of the fight, and you know. Good job to you. I, that to me, like I saw it as a presidential candidate's concession speech, right? You know, that's sort of what I saw that as. He knew he wasn't going to win it, and uh, you know, hey, our our ideas still reign on, you know, and that that was how I saw it. Yeah, it, it was funny. I don't think I've ever seen that before, where guys like, hey, like tell, asking his opponent to tell him how good he is at that moment. It was just kind of weird to watch that play out on video. Um, you know, I read your column afterwards, Kevin. And this uh -oh. is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on this week because I could not disagree more yeah. with where you're at with Canelo's next opponent as opposed to where I'm at. You want to see Canelo go on to new challenges, to move up to light heavyweight and fight one of the top guys or to fight a Jamal Charlo or a David Benavidez. I am firmly entrenched in the Canelo-Golovkin three camp. And I've got my reasons, and I articulated some of them uh, last week on the podcast. But tell me why you are against a third matchup with Golovkin and in favor of some of these other newer challenges. 
Well, I, I'm not against, you know, in the pure sense of the word, a third matchup with Golovkin. But I, I think what we have to do is we have to, in boxing generally, start rewarding people for doing the right thing uh, and not, you know, not uh, benefiting people for doing the wrong thing. So since Canelo or since Gennady fought Canelo, he fought Steve Rolls. He fought Sergei Derevchenko, which, you know, he was sick, remember. Had he not been sick, would it, you know, we now think of the Derevchenko fight as this tough fight and this great fight. But remember how overwhelming of a favorite Gennady was. Then he fights uh, Zarameta, and now he's fighting Murata. How do you reward a guy for that resume? Especially, you know, he had to take the Zarameta fight, but especially for taking Murata? Are you kidding me? I mean, why, what are you doing? If, if you really wanted a uh, Gennady, uh, Gala, I mean, excuse me, a Canelo Alvarez fight, why not? Hey, talking, I want to fight uh, David Benavides. You know, fight one of the guys at 168. You know, fight uh, Callum Smith. Fight one of those guys. But Gennady went out there, and, and, and this wasn't his entire career, but he's cherry-picking, Chris. He's going out there, and he's taking guys. You know, Steve Rolls was no threat. Who wanted to see that? Zarameta was no threat. Nobody wanted to see that. You know, Derevchenko on the threat level was a three or a four to him, and Gennady was sick. Derevchenko fought his best, and Gennady still, you know, still wins the fight. Um, I just look at it um, as like, you know, you, you don't reward that guy. And now, secondly, here's my other point that runs concurrently. What Canelo just did is pretty amazing in becoming the unified super middleweight champion, uh, because this is not his weight class. I think his weight class is 54 or 60, right? So now he's up. You pop him up again. Think of the history making thing. If he fights better be of first, you're going to be talking about a guy. If he wins that fight, who has six belts at that point. I mean, that's Henry Armstrong's uh, type stuff. And I think it's creating interest in boxing at large, right? If you go back to Golovkin fight, you know, hey, they had two great fights. But, you know, what, what's going to be the news there, right? But if you go off after a light heavyweight bout, and especially better be at first as opposed to uh, Bivol or Joe Smith, um, now you're out there where you have uh, a bunch of belts. It's a huge storyline in and of itself. And you have the threat of him losing. Like I think Canelo would box the ears off of Better Biev, but we know that Better Biev is a, is a crushing puncher. And you talked about Caleb Plant couldn't hurt him. Better Biev can hurt him. And we know that he can hurt yep. him. Canelo will know that. So when you, when you go into that fight, you know, you go into that fight thinking, okay, I think Canelo will probably win, but this guy can knock him out. Is it too much? And there's a storyline there. And I think it's something that can be sold. Now, you know, boxing promotion has, has gone in the shitter, in my opinion. And it, and it's really terrible these days, you know, with a few, ex, you know, rare exceptions. Um, but, you know, you have to promote it and, and not that better be of some great gregarious guy, you know, you know, he's just another guy out there, but I think the storyline is what makes that the right way to go. And you can always fight Golovkin down the road. But, you know, I, I think Gennady doesn't deserve to be rewarded uh, for what he he pulled. Okay, a couple things here I want to unpack. I agree with you that Betterbiev is the biggest threat to Canelo Alvarez because of that power, the size, the power, all those things. And by virtue of his win over Vodzik, he is the most accomplished, probably, of right. the guys that are potential candidates out there. Why I don't think Better Biev is realistic right now, it's because as dangerous as that fight is and as meaningful as that fight is, nobody knows who Better Biev is. I was at 
the I think it was the Lyakoris Center in Philadelphia when he fought Vodzik. And that was an excellent fight. High profile, big time fight, Kevin. You know that. I could I'm I'm exaggerating here, but I, I could almost count the number of fans in the building. Like it it just didn't sell a lot of tickets. So granted, Canelo was always going to be the the driver of ticket sales in any fight. You sit ringside for the last fight against Caleb Plant. Plant didn't have any fans there. They were all Canelo Alvarez fans through and through in that one. But Better Beavs, I'd almost, and I think promoters would probably feel the same way, you want to see Better Beav fight a couple times in the U.S., maybe beat Joe Smith to become a three-belt champion at 175 and then take on Canelo down the line. Where I vigorously disagree with you is the idea that other potential candidates out there have earned a fight with Canelo more than Golovkin has. Now, I I do agree that Golovkin has been cherry-picking at this stage of his career, whether it's because he was holding out for the Canelo fight, which is why he took on a Steve Rolls in his first fight and that disowned contract, or he just wanted... You know, these mandatories, the Zaramettas. Murata's a little bit different because I guess you are going to collect another belt um, as part of that. It's a huge fight over in Japan. But let me just read, like, you mentioned the last four Canelo, or Golovkin opponents, and they're not good, except for Derevinchenko who was in that mix. The last four opponents for uh, uh, for Jamal Charlo were Brandon Adams, Dennis Hogan, Derevinchenko, and Juan Macias Montiel. Yep. That's a bad group of names. The last four for David Benavidez, Anthony Durrell, Romer Angulo, Ronald Ellis, and now, coming up this weekend, Kai Davis. I can make an argument, Kevin, that as awful as Gennady Golovkin's resume has been over the last four fights, it's better than some of these. It's better than these guys. And these guys aren't in the position Golovkin's been in where he can fall back on the fact that he's fought Canelo twice. That he's well, fought I, Daniel Jacobs. Right, and we. Go ahead. But that's the, to me, that's the argument. Um, you're you're making my argument to a certain degree. I agree with you, and that's what what I said before. You know, boxing is in the shitter in terms of the way it's promoted, not in terms of the the quality of the fights, the fighters, or the action in the ring. It's it's really good. I think there's a lot of compelling fights and fighters out there. It's promoted horribly, and they and they have short term thinking. Boxing, and there's too many people in it. I give Todd DeBuff credit uh, for this, and I think Eddie Hearn is this way too. Um, they 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 have forward thinking vision and they want they want to make build a, a business not just a one night stand right that's what they you know that's what they want to have and I think um, that's what has to take place in all the boxing and you have to make you know do all these things so as as a result you know, uh, you can pick, you can pick most top guys resumes and that's what you get. And, and so, uh, I talked to Dana White about this in the UFC and he, uh, the other day. And one of the things he said to me, Chris, uh, it's, it, I think it's in my story today uh, that was posted. Um, but one of the things he said to me is, you know, I grew up watching HBO World Championship Boxing and sometimes it was off the hook and I loved it. He goes, but there were so many times I turned off the TV and I was disappointed because it didn't match what I wanted to see. And he says, my goal was always to make sure that when our fans 
turn off the TV. They're happy they stayed home on Saturday night and watched. And so the promoters in boxing need to start thinking that way and saying, you know what? We got to put good undercard fights on. You don't have to pay guys $5 million or $2 million to fight on the undercard. You have good matchmakers in boxing, good minds, make good fights, put compelling matchups on that you know are going to be good, and then work to make the fights mean something like wh what did any of those undercard fights on Canelo lead to nothing there was there's not one person except for Anthony Durrell calling for Canelo to fight Anthony Durrell but that's the co-main event in a prime spot why isn't there somebody on that card you know that that could have led to something and so I think that you know fundamentally we have to change and I think by my argument talking about going after a light heavyweight title we're now going to say I'm valuing the titles. I'm valuing, valuing being the best and fighting the best. And if you want to fight me, you have to value that same thing. And so while better be uh, uh, last four opponents are, are not as good as uh, they should be, he has something, which is two world championships in a weight class that Canelo hasn't won in. That's the argument there. If you start doing that and you start making these fights significant and you start bringing meaning to them other than just seeing Canelo fight, because, you know, we could put Canelo out there against Tom Dick or Harry and uh, and he's going to sell a lot of tickets. You know, he may not sell pay-per-views. And I've heard some things about this pay-per-view with Canelo and Plant. Um, I'm sure you have as well uh, that aren't, you know, aren't uh, overwhelming or great by any stretch of the imagination. But if you start making the fights have meaning, then you can build a business as opposed to having a one night stand. I, I look, I agree with that. Um, and, and I would be excited about a Canelo better be matchup. I just think there's room for that to grow. And I think better be if he has one or two more fights before September uh, or December of 2022, Right. He would be a much more marketable opponent. I think we both would agree, Kevin. And I agree with I'm that. I'm amazed. I'm oh, well, let me I, this this part. I'm amazed at how many people in boxing think there is a more marketable fight right now than Canelo Golovkin three. There isn't. Not not Canelo Benavidez, Canelo Charlo, Canelo Betterbiev. They are not more marketable oh. to the public at large as Canelo as Canelo Golovkin three. Kevin, I'm around basketball people a lot and they know a little bit about boxing what they know usually are heavyweights and canelo golovkin right. that's just the truth in the last three or four years and they fought twice twice yeah probably pacquiao of course he's 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 done now so we'll just take him off the, the shelf like pacquiao and, and maybe a handful of others but they know canelo golovkin they i don't know if they'd buy it or subscribe for it but they are aware of it and it interests them you can ask Ten people walking down the street, non-boxing fans. If they know who David Benavides is, they're probably not going to know. No, you, you ask about boxing Charlo. fans, and a lot of boxing fans wouldn't know. That's, that's right. That's right. And it's not a knock. I mean, you know, one thing I love about David Benavides, and I talked to him about this um, later in the show. I love that he acknowledges he needs a big fight. He acknowledges he needs to earn that opportunity against Canelo. That's. It's really not his fault. Well, I mean. It, his off the outside the ring issues have caused some of his problems, but he has been clamoring for a fight with Jamal Charlo. Jamal Charlo has put that middleweight title in the belt protection program. Like it, he's not going to fight again before the end of the year. And with Canelo saying he's going to wait until January to decide when he's going to fight next, we're probably not going to see Jamal Charlo back until March or April or May or some point oh, later uh, in, in the year. So like Golovkin 
not only is it big business, but I, I would certainly argue that as bad as his recent opponents have been, there's nobody out there besides maybe Betterbiev who just laps them, who has earned this opportunity more. Than, I didn't even mention Dmitry Bivol, whose yeah. resume is awful. And Bivol kind of pisses me off too because Bivol, you know, you got those same press releases I did, Kevin, where Bivol's calling on everybody. He's like, I want this fight. I want that fight. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, he's got Zerto Ramirez out there sending his own press releases saying, I want to fight Dmitry Bivol and crickets uh, from well, Bivol. Let me make well. this point so because I, oh, I, I agree with, you know, we, we agree on a lot of things, but here's the thing. If Canelo, let, let's just say for the sake of argument, Canelo comes out and says, in May, I'm fighting Better Bia, right? So I agree, Better Bia. The point you made on uh, uh, Better Bia, I agree 100% that he can get bigger. He's not big enough now. But I'm banking on the fact that, you know, you're going to have six belts for Canelo at stake, right? His four super middleweight belts and then, you know, adding two light heavyweight belts. And then, what that does is that creates bigger fights down the road because if Canelo wins that, that makes a Bivol fight bigger. That makes a Joe Smith fight bigger. And be just because Canelo is growing it, the title is all of a sudden bigger because you're making it happen. Whereas if you fight Golovkin, you're going to have a, a name recognition fight and you're going to have a good fight, but there's it's a one-night stand. There's nothing coming out of it on the other side. It leads to nothing. And uh, that, unfortunately, is the reality. And I think, you know, I, I years ago, I sided with Gennady and I thought, you know, he was getting screwed and getting ducked by a lot of the big people and everything. Uh, and he was. But but now I'm a, I, I'm on the opposite side of Gennady. I think he's the one doing the doing that. And I mean, he should have been out there screaming bloody murder. And I think his new team, you know, and I know his wife is part of it, um, isn't doing him any favors on how they're handling things. You know, they, number one, there's no you know, how far away are we from the fight? We haven't heard from him since the moment he walked out and talked to you in the ring in uh, in Florida when he beat Zaremeta. We haven't heard from him since nothing. Uh, Canelo's fought. We haven't had him say anything we haven't seen him there hasn't been anything how the hell do you expect people to know what you're doing and then you're going to go fight in japan where the time frame is going to be you know uh crazy i mean it's everything he's making it so difficult on himself to succeed and to continue to get big fights um i, I just think there's incompetence going on there in the way he's being handled it, it is i'll say this it is a little perplexing that he has not been more visible. I mean, you and I have both been to that camp in Big Bear. I mean, I've made that trip half a dozen times, I want to say, because, like, whenever you wanted to go, he would be open. Abel Sanchez would be open. You could write a story. You could do a lot. Like, And I thought that benefited Golovkin during the years that he wasn't getting the high-profile fights. I agree with you. I, I would just say this. Even with the fact that it's in Japan, and I don't know what time it's going to start over there, uh, if he goes out and blasts out uh, Ryota Murata, which is very possible. Murata is not a high-level guy, at least he's not shown it up until this point. If he blasts him out of there and has two pieces of the 160-pound title, that's about as much momentum as you're going to get for a third fight with Canelo. And, you know, I heard you say earlier, like, revisit Golovkin down the road— I'm not so sure how long that road's going to be, both with his age, which is going to be 40 in the first quarter of next year, and at some point he is going to have to fight somebody. So you get through Murata, and then, like, what? Do you go fight Demetrius Andrade and maybe get beat by Demetrius Andrade? You could get outboxed by Andrade, and then that Golovkin fight goes off the table. You're right. It doesn't have, it doesn't have the same legacy-defining properties that the first two Golovkin fights had. Those were meaningful, 
impactful fights for Canelo. He, we're finding out who the two best middleweights in the world are, and we're yes. throwing it down to one in that fight. He, he beat the he beat the boogeyman, and and he did it. Even though it was a close fight, he did it in a real way. That was a legitimate decision that he got. But if you're Canelo, it's like whoever pays for it. I would assume it's the zone. You're gonna make the most money you're gonna make against anybody. Clearly, because there's still a strong appetite to make Canelo Golovkin three. And you and I both know, Kevin, as people kind of in the business, that you will be a significant favorite because you have, if you're Canelo, you have improved since the second fight with Golovkin, whereas Golovkin, by virtue of age of nothing else, has most likely regressed. So it's it's a very winnable fight, and it's a lucrative fight. So if you're Canelo and you just fought four times in 11 months, maybe you cash that check now while it's available to you. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't disagree with you. I, I'll stand by my. I mean, you make you make a good point, Chris, and uh, and I respect the point that you made, and it's it's based in facts. Uh, but I I also look at it and I go, I think we have to turn course, and that and that's my biggest thing here. You know, if we turn course, and I think Canelo is trying to set an example for other fighters, and I think it's something that people should follow. You know, um, yep. you know we we want to see you go out there and challenge yourself. We want to see you take the big fights, and you know, we don't care if you lose if you give me a good fight you know back in the day when it was in your contract on hbo if you lose you know we have the right to cut you i mean you know how bs is that right if you don't perform if you win i don't want to see you again right you know so there's uh you know i i want guys that perform and i'm not saying gennady has him because obviously he's a hall of famer too and he has but i i think you know that we have to change the mindset in boxing now to where let's take these fights let's try to unify let's try to make big fights let's try to always push it and um and i think that that you know that would be a signal if he did that it, uh, look, I I agree. We're 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 circling each other in a way. Like we kind of, we agree with on more than we disagree at this point. With it, it'll this will never happen, of course, Kevin, because it's boxing and it's just maddening. But I would like to see Canelo Golovkin three in May, and during that time between now and June of next year, I would like to see Jamal Charlo fight David Benavidez. I would like to see Dimitri Bivol fight Zerto Ramirez. I would like to see Archer Betterbiev fight Joe Smith. And then you'll have multiple options, marketable options, if you're Canelo, to choose from. You want to stay at 168? Well, you got the winner of Charlo Benavidez, which is a big fight. You want to move what up to 175? So I'll use your logic, right? And here's what happens. And again, this is where I'm going to criticize the promoters. Um, let, let, take one. What do you think is the, the those fights you mentioned? What is the cheapest one of those fights that you mentioned? You think I would probably say better be having Smith. Zerto. I mean, Bevel Zerto feels probably cheaper. Okay, so, so let's let, let's take that uh, Zerto and uh, and Bivol. Put that on the Canelo Golovkin undercard as the chief undercard. Bob. Yeah. Now, now, I, wait, that's great. Now you have hey, if Canelo wins. You know he's fighting the winner of that fight, um, and Golovkin, you know, uh, is there can fight you know fight one of those guys. But you have something now. There's something that you can look forward to. And before the fight, when you talk to Bibble, hey, you know, if you beat Zerto, uh, you know, do you want to fight the winner? Yeah, and you and there's something something there. Um, but you know, like I go back and you know to 2007, and I had the conversation with Richard Schaefer in January when they announced Mayweather to La Jolla, and they, they were it was not a done deal yet, but they were looking at making um, Marquez and Vasquez, and eventually they had that you know unbelievable series against each other. And I said to Richard, "Why don't you put that fight 
on the undercard of De La Hoya Mayweather because it's a great fight. And if people who have turned away from boxing see that on De La Hoya Mayweather, they're going to go, oh, this is what I've been missing. And his response mm-hmm. was, it's too expensive. And, you know, they ended up, what did they gross on that fight? Like 400 million, I think it was, or, you know, something along yeah. those lines. There's enormous amount of money. And it's just the greed that they have and the, and the aversion to spending on making a good product. And um, so as, as a result, you know, I just, I just think that, you know, that you have to change that way of thinking. So maybe if, if we compromise, you and I compromise and we're running boxing, we say, okay, let's make Canelo Golovkin next, assuming uh, GGG wins. But then we, we are going to put one of these big fights on the undercard. And that's the path that, you know, that Canelo is going to go, should he beat uh, Triple G? Think about the Mexican crowd that would attend a fight like that, a card like that, at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas in May of 2022. You've got Zerto, who's got a fan base of his own, and Canelo, who's already put 70-plus thousand in a stadium in Texas. You could do record-breaking numbers. You might do it anyway with just Canelo Golovkin 3, but I I couldn't agree with you more. Bevel, who doesn't have a fan base, and Zerto, who's got a decent one. It's not bad. It's not anything close to a Canelo level, but it's not bad. Those two guys would get an unbelievable bounce from being the co-main of an event like that. I, I, I think that that would be amazing. It, but it's boxing, so we don't get not it. Gonna happen. All right. <laughs> not going to happen. All right. Not going to happen. All right, Kevin, I want to talk about stuff coming up this weekend. Specifically, a fight that I'm going to be at in Anaheim on Saturday. That's Jaime Munguia former 154-pound champion, now campaigning at 160, versus Gabe Rosado, a fighter you and I are very familiar with, covered a lot over the years. He's been, I, you know, journeyman is kind of a, a neg- negative term, but he, he's a step above that. He's a journeyman who keeps breathing life back into his career. He's kind of like Glenn Johnson in a way to me. A guy just keeps coming back and coming back and coming back, and here he is with an opportunity against a very popular fighter, but a flawed fighter. When I look at... Mungia Rosado, I see kind of a pick'em type of fight. I yeah. see one that could be a war, and I see one that could end in multiple different ways. How do you see this fight? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I think uh, Rosado, from the time he fought Golovkin until now, has tremendously improved. And I think, you know, you got to give Freddie Roach a lot of credit, right? You know, we're Absolutely. Seeing, we're seeing a big difference in uh, Rosado from a couple of years ago. Um, and I, I thought he beat Danny Jacobs, right? I I, I really did. I thought he, he fought a good fight. And I, I think he's a very live underdog in this fight with Munguia. You know, um, I, I think he has a chance to win the fight. The, the problem that I see with uh, um Rosado in this fight is that Munguia does hit pretty hard and uh, and he's an accurate puncher. And I think Rosado is sometimes willing to, you know, uh, take three to give one. Um, and I think that's a risky strategy against this guy. Right. Um, so, you know, I think if Freddie Roach has him, uh, you know, kind of change the mindset a little bit, then I, I would say, you know, I like, uh, I like his chances in the fight. You know, I'm leaning toward uh, Rosado. I haven't made my pick for the fight yet. I'm leaning toward picking Rosado, uh, like the plus money on that. And I, and I think he has a legitimate chance to win the fight, but uh, I'm not a hundred percent, you know, there yet. Yeah. I think he's a very live underdog. The odds that I looked at recently are way too high in favor of Jaime Munguia. That, I mean, Munguia's a good fighter, but Rosado, with the way he's fought 
in recent fights, specifically the way he boxed against Danny Jacobs and the way he countered against Bektamir Melikuziev. Uh, he's improving, to your point, under Freddie Roach. I think it's going to be important for Gabe to use that boxing ability early on. I think he's going to have to weather the storm against Jaime Munguia, not get into a street fight with him right. very early in the fight because Munguia... I mean, he's a powerful guy. I think he's improved offensively under Eric Morales, and I think he's going to come out and try to take Gabe's head off in the early rounds. If Gabe can survive that, I think when you get to the 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th rounds, that's where you can use your experience as an advantage. I mean, Munguia, I know it was a, it was a couple of years ago, but Spike O'Sullivan's kind of best moments, I think, yeah. came later in their yeah, fight. Yeah. I mean, you, you, can get, you can get to Munguia at different stages of the fight. So if Gabe's able to box early on and make it aggressive late, not only could he win, he could stop him. Like there's a lot of ways I think Gabe Rosado could win this fight. If I have a question going in, Kevin, it's Gabe coming down in weight. Now he's been 154 for a while. He's been 160 for a while. Had big fights at those weight classes. But recently he's been 168. Now maybe it's easy for him. Maybe he can come right back down to 160. But the fight he had against Melikuziev was 168. The fight against Daniel Jacobs was 168. How easy does he slash off those eight pounds at this point of his life and his career? That's going to be something I'm watching when I get out to Anaheim this week to see what kind of, how dehydrated is Gabe Rosado at the weigh-in on Friday? Yeah, I mean, I I, th- I think the question is going to be really how quickly can he recover from it? Because you know it's going to be hell to cut down to 160 for him. You know, he's a sturdy guy. And while you were talking, I, the one thing I was going to say until I heard, heard what your question was, was, you know, I was going to talk about, I think he has a, a physical a physical strength advantage in the fight. Um, and, you know, if he has a difficult weight cut, I, I agree with you completely. I think he's going to have trouble asserting that physical, you know, strength advantage to kind of bully uh, Jaime around and to, you know, to hurt him as much. Um, so I, I think that, you know, that, that bear bears watching, you know, how, how does he recover? Cause there have been some guys that, you know, have had bad weight cuts, but they, you know, they're used to it. And then they, they are able to get themselves back. And, and, but then there's other guys, like, I think, you know, the late Diego Corrales, you know, and I saw him, uh, and the, is it this, one of the uh, Castillo fights, not the, not the great one, but one of the other Castillo fights. And I mean, they had to literally lift him up to get him over to the scale. I mean, and that's how bad he was and, you know, never recovered and never was able to get back. Um, so guys re- respond differently. And I think it's that bears watching, you know, how does he recover? We're not going to know until he gets in the ring, but I'll tell you, if I'm looking to bet Rosado, um, you know, that is something I have to keep in mind. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Benavidez versus Kai Davis? I mean, I don't, you know, Davis, of course, late replacement for Jose uh, Uzcadegui, who tested positive for a banned substance. He fought reasonably well in that draw with Anthony Durrell back in February. Uh, I, I'm expecting Benavidez, though, to dominate in this matchup. I don't know what it's going to mean right. uh, because it's going to be an inferior opponent, but uh, I'm expecting Benavidez to come up with a big stoppage in this fight. Yeah, I think Benavides, uh, you know, needs to be out there and, and win, you know, eight, nine rounds and then stop him, you know, kind of going down the stretch. I mean, I think Benavides is a guy that has a chance to be one of the best fighters in the world. You know, he teases you uh, um, uh, with that. Uh, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name. He won, uh, fought for the title the first time and they drew uh, the Hard Rock in Vegas. Um, um, Gavril. And, um, yep. and uh, but, you know, I think that he... Uh, 
you know, he teases you with these, like you, you flashes a talent and you say, Oh my God, this could be a pound for pound guy. And then he comes back other times and he's, you know, he's just not there. I think, I think this guy has a lot going for him. I think he's, you know, a, a very skilled fighter, but he's now got to realize, you know what I'm at the, I'm in the prime of my career and I have three or four years really at the top level to do this. And I got to take advantage by, by every time out, performing at my best ability that given uh, particular night. And so for me in this fight, you know, uh, you know, you, you know, you have to go out there and dominate this guy. This is not a guy that should be hanging around and in the 11th round, you know, saying, well, you know, is he in the fight or not? You know, it should be a, yeah. a, a situation where, you know, Hey, is he going to be able to end on his feet or not? You know, that's going to be the, it should be the only question. Um, I think David understands that. I think, you know, he's uh, disappointed uh, to lose uh Uskadagi, but uh, I think he also uh, realizes that uh, you know, you know, he it's incumbent upon him to to you know perform like a star. You know, Canelo performs like a star no matter who he's fighting. And if you want to get a fight with Canelo, you've got to go out there and do the same thing he does. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it, it may not impress Team Canelo or anybody if he goes out and just whacks around Kai Davis, but. Uh... You know, it's what he's got to do. He's got to beat the opponent in front of you. And Correct. beating him in like the third round by knockout is better than going the distance in a fight that you struggle in. Last thing for you, Kevin, and I want to kind of spin it back to Canelo and bring it a little bit into your other world, MMA. I loved what I heard from Dana White in the aftermath of uh, Kamaru Usman, his win over Colby Covington. A reporter asked Dana what he thought about an Usman-Canelo matchup. Take a listen to what he said. I watched the Canelo fight tonight. He don't want to fight Canelo. <laughs> he don't want to fight Canelo. Come uh, on. Come on, man. Let's let's stop this shit. Kevin, do you think Dana's over seeing his uh, top MMA guys venture into boxing and uh, get clobbered? Do you, think, do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, he's never been into it, right? Even Conor McGregor, he wasn't into it. But then, you know, it, it dawned on him, hey, this is a massive fight, and so we had to do it. He's never wanted to do that. Um, and I've I've always hated that, like, because they're different sports, and we've said this a million times. Um, you know, I brought it up to – I noticed everybody was talking about uh, Max Kellerman. You know, I was the one that brought it up to him, you know, uh, Usman, and discussed it with him first. And, you know, and, and his thing was, you know what, I, I like to fight him in MMA and in boxing. Um, and, and, but I laughed at that because, you know, there's no way Canelo is fighting MMA, but if he did, it's like a two minute win for Usman. And if they box, you know, it's a, you know, Canelo's like going to slash him, you know I mean? It's just not a, it's not a fight. And so I don't understand why these guys are doing it. Usman's getting paid very well. You know, he's not making 40 million, but he's making a lot, a lot, a lot of millions of dollars. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, it's ridiculous. And I think Dana knows it and he's just not even going to, you know, uh, play on the, you know, he, he realizes he's criticizing Jake Paul and he's criticizing Triller and, and all that. And if he starts, you know, giving credence to that, then, you know, he looks like a, a huge hypocrite. Yeah. I'm with you. Like Usman Canelo and MMA goes bad for Canelo Usman Canelo in boxing, which is where it would be goes very, very, very bad for Usman. And I look, I think Dana clearly wants to get more out of Usman. You know, and your brand takes a hit if you get whacked around by Canelo in a, in a boxing match. So I don't think we'll be seeing that any time. No. So, uh, Kevin, always good to catch up, man. I will see you at the next big one. Good to talk to you, man. Thank you, brother. Be well. When we come back, my conversation with David Benavidez. 
With big fights every week, there's never been a better time to give FanDuel Sportsbook a shot and join the action on FanDuel Fight Nights. Because right now, you can place your first bet risk-free. That's right, you get up to $1,000 back if you don't win. FanDuel gives you so many bets to choose from. There are parlays, round props, method of victory bets, and so much more. My bet this week, Gabe Rosado in the upset over Jaime Munguia. This is a tough fight, but you are getting good odds if you bet on Gabe Rosado. I think that's a good place to put your money if you're betting on boxing this weekend. Offers like this are just one of the many reasons I love betting on FanDuel. It is the number one rated sportsbook app in America. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. And when you win, you'll get paid in as little as two hours. With FanDuel in your corner, you'll always get exclusive odds boosts, great promotions, and so much more to make your FanDuel fight night even more exciting. That's why they're America's number one sportsbook. Sign up with the promo code BOXING to bet risk-free up to $1,000 on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. That's promo code BOXING. All right, David Benavidez is here, super middleweight contender on Saturday. You'll be back in the ring against Kai Davis. That's a fight you can see live on Showtime. And David, I'm sure from the Phoenix area, was a very interested observer in what we saw last weekend between uh, Canelo Alvarez and Caleb Plant. So, David, I'm sure you had expectations about that fight coming in. Did they meet your expectations? Did it go differently? How did you see it? Yeah, like I said, you know, in the, all the interviews I did, I, you know, I did exactly what happened, or exactly what I predicted happened. I expected it to be a good fight until all the way to the, towards the end. And it really was a good fight for, from both fighters. You know, Caleb Plant went in there, his defensive skills, you know, you know, he caught Canelo a couple times. Um, he moved around the ring. But um, like I said, Canelo, um, he got the late stoppage. You know, it was a good performance for both men. You know, I really enjoyed the fight. But, you know, for me, just being um, possibly fighting both of them in the future, you know, just collecting data from both of them and just seeing what I could do. And um, overall, enjoying the fight because, you know, the whole card was good, too. So it was, it was good. It was a good night for boxing. Why were you so skeptical of Caleb Plant coming in? I wasn't I wasn't skeptical of Caleb Plant. I just know that Canelo is an overall better fighter and his power is better, you know, and I feel like Caleb Plant has never been in there with somebody that, you know, obviously has power like, you know, uh, Canelo. I didn't really think can, uh, Caleb Plant, if he gets hit with a hard shot like that, he would be able to last, you know, because he doesn't, he doesn't really go up too much in weight, you know, and stuff like that. So he doesn't, he can't absorb that type of punch like that. So that's why, you know, that's kind of why I was skeptical about him. How much do you think the fact that Plant has never fought on anything close to that level had to do with his out the outcome of the fight? I don't. To be honest, I don't think that was that had anything to do with it. I think Canelo was just an overall fighter. Even if he would have had the, the experience and been on that platform, he would have. I don't think he would have did any better. You know, um, I think if just if ten if that fight they fight 10 times out of 10 it's always going to happen that way um like i said like i said from the beginning i feel like the the the, the fighters that have a good chance with, Can- with canelo are the ones that have power of their own and have you know have canelo respect his power to not keep him coming in like that and caleb plant you know obviously you know he has was like 40 percent 50 percent ko ratio he didn't have that so i think that's really one of the big keys that you have to have that you know to suppress canelo's attack no, I completely agree with you. 
I, I think that, you know, we've seen in his run at super middleweight, guys he has fought have not been willing largely to throw right hands. And I don't believe you can beat Canelo Alvarez just trying to out-jab him. Some guys have tried. You know, Kovalev had some success doing it at light heavyweight. Plant early on had a little bit of a jab going, but that wasn't effective in terms of winning rounds. Do you think that's a fair assessment that to beat Canelo, you've got to be willing to trade a little bit with Canelo? Exactly. That's my point. That's that's exactly what I think. You know, you hit it right on the head there. I feel like you have to stand your ground, you know, and I feel like if Canelo doesn't respect your power, he's going to be in there. He's going to be a nightmare for you, especially with Caleb Plant. I mean, I was watching the fight again yesterday, too, and I mean, he was he was using the ring a lot, you know, and it, you kind of look like he was scared, too, that he didn't want to stay in one place. So I think you just you have to you have to throw more than jab, you know, you have to throw combinations. Even when I seen Caleb Plant put together some combinations, you would miss the four, the first two or three, but the last, you know, two would get in. So I feel like you need to throw punches and bunches. You have to have good power, and you have to be willing to trade, sit there and trade. You know what I mean? Or, or else Canelo is just gonna he's gonna find you at the end of the night. There are a lot of people in boxing that believe at 168 pounds or less, you are the biggest threat to Canelo Alvarez. What do you think of that? I agree with everybody, you know, and um, it's because of my style too. Exactly what I'm telling you that would work against Canelo is the exact thing I do. You know, I throw combinations, you know, I have a great jab, but my jab is not just a touch jab. It's not just a range finder. You know, I hurt people with my jabs and I have good body shots too. And then, um, like I said, I've, you know, I've been asking for a big fight. I've, I've wanted this and I'm just getting stronger. You know, I'm 24 years old. Next month I turn 25. So I'm kind of getting my man strength too. I'm getting a lot of experience as I'm coming up and, you know, I'm, I'm getting more and more confidence in myself. I think my KO ratio is about 86%. So I feel like I see exactly what everybody else sees, exactly what I see everybody else sees. You know, um, I think Golovkin, when he fought, Caleb, or when he fought uh, Canelo, he had about 80-something or 90% KO ratio, too. So, I mean, this is this is a type of fighter. A boxer a boxer is not going to beat Canelo. I think you need a, a power puncher stays in there, stays his ground. That's, that's the type of people that have a better chance than You know, Canelo says he's going to wait until January to decide what he's going to do in his next fight in May, which gives, like, two months for fighters to kind of audition for that Canelo fight. You've got Kai Davis coming up on Showtime on Saturday. You've got Dimitri Bivol probably facing John Ryder before the end of the year over in the UK. Golovkin, of course, going for the Unified Middleweight Championship at the end of December. Do you look at this fight kind of like that, that it's an audition of sorts for you to face Canelo? I don't don't feel like it's an audition. I feel like me, I just have to go in there and keep doing what I'm doing. You know, I feel like there's no extra pressure. Me, my fights, you know, with even with Canelo, without Canelo in the picture, my fights are always look impressive and give the people the biggest bang for their buck. You know, um, I train extremely hard for this fight. You know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's going to be a, a KO victory for me, and that's exactly what it's going to be. You know, um, but I feel like Canelo has his foot in the door with PBC already, and I'm sure you know they've had great success. I'm sure he's going to want to work with PVC where I'm hearing that he wants to keep working with PVC for a while. So I feel like if anybody has a better opportunity to fight him, I don't think the audition or none of that other stuff has anything to do with it. I think the promotion company he feels comfortable with right now is PVC. I mean, he's fought with Daz and he's fought with Golden Boy. And I think now he's 
PBC is where he's going to be at for a couple more fights. If he stays with PBC, the two obvious options are you and Jamal Charlo. Why are you the better fit for May of 2022 than Jamal Charlo? Well, because I've been here, you know, I've been asking, and I haven't been asking, I've been, you know, working for the shot. Jamal Charlo has never fought at 168. You know what I mean? Um, I done my last fight was WBC title eliminator. I won that. This fight was supposed to be a WBC and IBF title eliminator, but Uskatechi came out positive for steroids. So, I mean, I've just here. I've been fighting at 168. You know, if everybody else says I'm the I'm the other best super middleweight besides Canelo Alvarez. I think if you say me in a perfect world for me is whoever fights Canelo next out of me and Charlo. I think me and Charlo would have to get a fight in. And then, you know, you can make that an interim and the winner takes it right there. I don't think these opportunities should just be given out. But, I mean, obviously not everybody thinks like me. Um, I feel like Jamal Charlo, he's definitely scared. or He's definitely, you know, he's worried about me because, you know, he says all this stuff about me. But at the end of the day, there's very little um, commitment or there, there's very little action to make the fight happen. You know, so um, I definitely think I'm the next I'm the next person up to go up against Canelo. But, you know, we're going to have to wait and see. No, I, I love hearing you say that because you and I have had similar conversations in the past where you have acknowledged that, you know, you need to earn those opportunities. You need those big fights. Like, you want those big fights. And I, you know, if, if you kind of look at the reason a fight between you and Jamal Charlo hasn't happened, it's largely because Jamal Charlo has not been interested in that fight. He's basically said so publicly from time to time. I mean, it's frustrating because the winner of a fight between you and Jamal Charlo would have a clear mandate to face Canelo. Like, there would be no question. Like, if you and Jamal Charlo were fighting this Saturday, the winner would be the obvious choice to face Canelo in May. Instead, there is some kind of ambiguity out there. Is it you? Is it Charlo? Is it Golovkin? Is it Bivol? I mean, where do you go? Um, that's got to be a little bit frustrating, I would think, for you to not get the opportunities that you have been publicly chasing. Yeah, it's definitely very frustrating, man, especially when these guys out here, they try to act so tough. They act like, you know, they'll fight anybody. But, on you know, when it's really time to make the fights happen, they really don't – they're not willing to make these fights happen. But for me, um, like, I, I can't speak for anybody else on anybody else's behalf. I'm willing to fight anybody else. I mean, I'm willing to fight anybody. And I'm going to be here for a long, long time, you know. And I think, like, the most experience I get with tough fighters would give me a better chance at beating Canelo. I mean, I feel like if I don't get any of the big fights, I could still have a good chance of beating Canelo. But I think this will just prep me for that next step so much more better. And that's why I'm calling for these fights because I know fighting Canelo is probably going to be one of the hardest fights of my life. You know, I don't um, I don't know if it's be the toughest fight ever I've ever had, but I, it's definitely going to be up there. So the more experience and the more, you know, um, hard fights I have, the better it is for me because I, I gain experience at, at the end of the day. So, I mean, that's why I'm, I'm trying to get as much big fights as possible. Um, but it's hard, man. You know, hard. I get one big fight with Uskateki next champ and he comes out positive for steroids. You know, all these other guys acting like they want to fight, but they really don't want to fight. So it, it, is, it is definitely uh, frustrating. But like I said, I just got to take care of my job. Uh, any fighter I get, you know, I got to go out there and make an example out of them and just keep continue doing what I'm doing. You know, to fight Canelo, you'd probably have to be at 168 for that fight. Um, you're a big guy. Um, there's a future for you, obviously, at 175. How has been making 168, and how easy or difficult would it be to stay there in 2022? 
I mean, it, it, that making weight is always tough, you know, because I'm such a big guy. I've been here for eight years at 168, so it definitely is tough. But I mean, we we know how to do it. I mean, I don't. If you ask any fighter, I don't think any weight cut is easy at all. But um, yeah. but I'm more. I'm, ask any human. Ask any human that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm um, trying to get under cruiserweight right now. Dude. Yeah, I'm trying to stay under cruiserweight at the moment. Yeah, but no, nah, like I said, <laughs> like I'm really motivated, man. I feel like this fight just. For it being on the horizon, I don't know when it might happen. It motivates me even more to stay in shape, even outside my training camp, and just you know continue to work. Because, like I said, like with Canelo, you have to go into like intense training, you know, and you have to be longer than just one camp. So it definitely, if I, you know, I I see that this fight is coming up maybe in May or maybe in September. So I mean, I'm definitely gonna go back into the gym after this fight. You know, I'm gonna take care of myself more and. That way, making the weight won't be a problem, and then I'll be prepared for anything else, you know. So, and then um, that's what I'm trying to just teach myself to do now too. I'm just trying to make it the healthy uh, eating and everything. I'm just trying to make it a lifestyle, you know. I'm so I, that way I don't have to, you know, when when fight night comes around, I don't have to cut too much to make the weight because it just becomes a life a lifestyle to me. So, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of positive things that come out of this fight, you know. I'm more focused, more motivated. No, I think I just grow as an athlete and, and a person overall. Well, first up for you is Kai Davis. Uh, that's Saturday on Showtime. Uh, good luck to you out there, man. You're a fun fighter, and uh, hopefully we see you in big fights, whether it's Canelo or otherwise, in 2022. Yes, sir. Thank you, brother. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Kevin Ioli and David Benavides for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And we'll see you next week. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.